Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Sickwix.com. Sickwix.com is the only place where you can get soy-based candles for your garage, your living room, and your bedroom. Just don't tell me about it, but I am your host, Brad Gebhardt with us on the line. He is a repeat offender. It's been too long since we had him on, so we had to call him up. Big E, Eric Bartoldis. Eric, how's it going? Oh, it's fantastic. I, I appreciate you having me on again. Hey, anytime that we can get a chance to uh, ch- chat with an enthusiastic know-it-all guy like yourself uh, is a huge benefit to the podcast. And uh, for those who don't know too much about Big E, I'm sure they've seen your bikes on uh, online over, over the years and stuff like that. Uh, clue some people in for us. Yeah, so I'm the uh, I'm the marketing manager here at Yoshimura. I've been here for uh, about six years now. Uh, before that, I was... Uh, um, doing some consulting work before that, I was a brand manager over at Six Six One and Sunline, and before that, I ran the Answer and Pro Taper brands for about six or seven years. Boom! So you, so, you uh, you've been and in then, and then before that, and then before that, I was a uh, assistant editor over at Transworld. So I was, I've been kind of all over the place. No, no big deal there. Like it's just had your finger on the pulse of uh, of all things moto. And uh, prior to that, um, uh, you're, you're you're a huge guy into uh, BMX uh, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I uh, I always wanted to race motocross, and one of those kids that my my parents got divorced when I was I think around ten or eleven, and then uh, I always wanted to race motocross, and I couldn't because of the money, so I got involved in racing BMX and. Just became one of those, um, I'd say maybe a mid-pack guy that hung around with some fast guys. So I got notoriety and um, I got to ride for some really cool companies. And then I got to work for one of the best companies in the world at the time was GT Bicycles. And I worked there for um, about 12 or 13 years. Wow. And for about eight, eight of those years, I ran the Powerlight brand. Oh, okay. So, so what oh, yeah. are what are some of the things that you learned from that uh, sort of landscape that uh, translated over to the motocross side? Because you've been on the motocross side for uh, uh, well over a decade now. Oh yeah, so it's been actually probably closer to two decades almost. Yeah. Man, I'm dating myself. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> but I, you know, um, I think early for the BMX side, I just I learned I learned how to just deal with people and and be a human being and and um, it sounds like very trite or whatever, but seriously, I think, um, I just hone a lot of my, my PR and, and, um, I guess marketing skills on the BMX side, just traveling and, and doing tours and racing and the competitive side of it. And, um, and, and, you know, all that, so much of that transfers over because, you know, what, when I was at DT and, you know, it's kind of funny where I'm at now, you know, I walk through the shop here at Yosh and I, and I smell, um, I smell the oil that's coming off a lot of the tubing and it just brings me back to those GT days. Yes, sir. You know, I, I, you know, with the bicycle stuff, there's so much stuff that, um, that you learn with, um, processing metal and and manufacturing and those type of things that it just stays with you your whole life. So I'm, I, I, for me, I'm, I think I'm just that manufacturing geek. Like when I walk, when I take tours with through our shop, I'm, it's like, it's almost so fresh for me. And I love taking people through and talking about, Hey, this tubing bender does this, and we, you know, we've got these welding machines that do this, and 
look at these NZ machines and all the, all the cool stuff that we do here. It's like, I'm a biggest fan as anybody walking through. So that's kind of, I think a lot of that stuff just transfers over from the bicycle days to, to now. And it's just, it's just cool manufacturing, you know, the, the fact that we make, I think some of the best exhaust systems, if not the best exhaust systems in the world here in Chino, California is just, it just blows my mind. You know, like the fact that we're manufacturing in California at all, you know? Yeah, that's true. The way the state of things are, so. For sure. Isn't it cool to be able to geek out on your own product? Like uh, as a sales guy, as a guy in marketing, you always want to work for a company uh, that you just truly believe in the product. It's not You're not putting on a, on a salesman hat. You're just literally helping people find uh, solutions when it comes to uh, an exhaust system. And uh, for you, I, I know you take a lot of pride in just being able to stand behind the brand that you represent. Well, you know, it's funny because it's easy. I, I think first, I'm, I'm a fan of the company first, and I'm an enthusiast. So it's like, I think for me, even if I wouldn't, wasn't, wouldn't be working here, I'd be using the Ephemera stuff on my bike. But, um, but yeah, I, I am a geek of that stuff, man. And, and I really, um, and I think it's easy too for our brand because I, I tell, I joke around all the time. I think I got one of the easier, easier jobs in the industry because I get to, to market a brand that has such a, a rich history and performance that, it's not telling people about Yoshimura and how great it is. They already are already know. It's like, hey, what do you have that's new, kind of thing, you know? For so. sure, it's it's almost like a, like a Mercedes Benz or a uh, a BMW, one of those aspiring brands that pe- people don't uh, really need to uh, like um, know the ins and outs. They just they just they see the logo, they expect perfect uh, per performance, and uh, and that's and that's what they get. Um, what, what are some of the things that, uh, that you, you feel are, is Yoshinomir is best known for? Um, I think from, it, so I think from, a, um, an enthusiast aspect of just, just the performance that Yoshinomir has just always delivered, um, what the customer wants. So, you know, from when the customer opens up the box, so he puts it on his bike till he has it five years from then. I think we're just known for, for customer satisfaction and performance. But I think even down to the mechanic, um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, on the street side, maybe they don't, they don't actually bolt their own stuff on. But from a mechanics aspect, I would say just how well-crafted our product is. And, and, and we take pride in, in, in knowing that when you pull our product out of the box, we, we know that it's going to fit and bolt up to, to that specific bike. You know what I mean? Like, I think that the fitment, the performance, and just the aesthetics of our product are are are, are what really are, is, makes it well known. You know, absolutely, and especially when it's uh, sitting on uh, uh, Ken Roxon's uh, HRC Honda, where uh, with the red plates now, that's uh, that's got to that's got to move some product. Yes, no. Um, yeah. Ken Roxon, I think. I mean, he is definitely obviously he's probably leads leads the uh the whole motocross community and social media following and it's probably for good reason you know but you know just just to be associated with that guy i mean i'm a huge fan of him i mean from a human being aspect first and what he's gone through and what he's been able to overcome i mean the red plate is just it's got to be a cherry on top for him because i think you know when asford he went through those two accidents in the last two years right i mean i would ever expected him to come back and 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 be leading the Supercross series. I mean, that's just, that's incredible as an athlete, but just 
just as a human being, what he's been able to overcome and people are like, Oh, he's done. You know, like I was, I was funny. I was talking to somebody today. I forgot who it was, but I was just like, you know, like any, I think any other maybe, and I'm not discounting any of his competitors, but I think after that first crash, I think a lot of, I mean, probably 80% of the guys, maybe more would have just like, I'm done. I don't, yeah. I don't need to be a part of this. I have I a right. lot of money. I could walk up, you know, but, but Ken's a different guy. And oh gosh, I, I think for our brand to be associated with Honda and Ken Roxon is a huge honor. Oh, for sure. And, and like I said, the guy uh, with the fresh uh, Yoshimura pipe on there, the guy makes it all kinds of blue uh, with the kinds of uh, heat and torture that he puts those things through on a regular basis. Always looks good on the machine. Uh, in fact, uh, bringing out maybe that uh, HRC blue is, is kind of like that's his, his goal there is, is to have the pipe match the rest of uh, the little blue accents on the motorcycle. Speaking of beautiful Hondas, uh, last time we talked, actually, I think your beautiful Honda is what uh, stoked uh, the conversation to, to begin with when I, I originally posted pictures of your uh, beautiful uh, number three or was it number E? Honda 252 stroke that was getting uh, like this is back when uh, Instagram had a different algorithm where you could easily get uh, four or five thousand likes on a photo. I think your your the the my photo of your bike two years ago got thirteen thousand likes on Instagram, which was absolutely absurd, and uh, I was absolutely devastated to find out you no longer own that bike. Yeah, well, um, I bought it. Um, I think when I bought it, I think I paid 2000 or 2100 bucks for the bike. And uh, I got up, I was like, you know what? I'm not riding it a lot and it's fun. It's cool to have, but I think I want to sell it. And I just like, you know what? I'll just put it out there and see. And uh, a guy, uh, a guy actually, I sold it for five grand. So. Wow. Yeah. It was one of the. That thing owes you cool, nothing. I, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I had fun on it. It was cool. And it was like, okay, on to the next project. But yeah, that bike was, uh, that bike was really fun. It was one of the, uh, I think I told you at the time, it was one of the only two-stroke pipes that we actually made in-house here. No doubt, yeah. You guys have uh, a guy out, out back who uh, is, is specializes with those those cone pipes. Everyone, uh, every, every two-stroke fan uh, wants a cone pipe, needs a cone pipe. Uh, unfortunately, uh, if you talk to uh, guys like Hoppo, and uh, was it Hoppo that made it, actually? Uh, no, it was actually a guy named Randy Blevins. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, it was Randy yeah, so Randy's just a, I mean, he's been around the industry forever. He's one of the nicest guys in the world, and he offered to uh, make me a pipe for my bike. And, and he's actually, he's been, I mean, he makes tooling pipes for everybody in the industry, and he just knows what it takes to make a two-stroke run. And I asked him to make me a pipe for that bike, and he's like, yeah, no problem, let's do it. But here he goes, I think I told you at the time, like, his whole caveat, he's like, you're going to help me do it. And uh, it was Ooh, pretty funny. We went down like that. to, uh, we went, yeah, it was actually fun. It was, it, he hadn't made one in a while. So it took about 14 hours to make it. I mean, it was a full cone works pipe on that bike. That's so cool. And, uh, and uh, we went down to the, um, to the metal, the, 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 um, the metal shop. And I think we spent about maybe $47 in material. And mm -hmm. we built that pipe. Oh, uh, just watching him, watching him work his craft was just amazing. Like he just knew how to pound that thing out. I mean, it was, it was just watching him do it. was amazing, man. It was such a, a treat for me. And, and the fact that I, I mean, he's a friend of mine and I just, uh, he's just, I mean, the, the, what stinks is I think there's an art 
that's going to, that's missing now that I think there's only a few guys in the world that really know what they're doing that can do that, that type of, uh, of craftsmanship, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, now with like the, like the four stroke pipes that, uh, like it's more like pipe bending and, and it's, it, you don't really have, and like the, the expansion chambers and resonance chambers, they're not really something that, that are like really hand built. Of course, you probably mock something up, but eventually you want to, uh, build those, uh, as for mass production. It's not something that gets hand built. The, 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 uh, the hand-built pipes, like guys like uh, Randy are making, or uh, uh, Hoppo's Hoppo had made over at uh, uh, a different brand for a ton of years, um, is um, yeah, nothing short of something that it's a dying breed. Those guys uh, have like they've um, they've knowledge that that's possibly not going to get passed on to the next generation. The, the reality is is that uh, there's less and less call for. For two strokes, of course, you got guys like me who still cling on to them and still ride them and still race them. But uh, um, when it comes to going fast uh, and, and goes those those getting those lap times you want, it's, uh, it's undeniable. Four strokes the the way to go for at least for now. Yeah, I mean it'll go electric eventually. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think electric is definitely it's coming for sure. Everybody everybody can see that, but. You know, there's no denying uh, that uh, what a two-stroke, um, how much fun it is to ride a two-stroke. But there's definitely uh, when you put the, the two-stroke up against a four-stroke, as far as the power delivery and the traction and the torque advantage, it's just uh, it's just an unfair advantage. But for fun factor, oh my gosh, you can't beat the sound and the and the uh, the feel of riding a two-stroke. And and dude, it was so funny, like you know, when I had that bike, you, you forget how much, uh, body language that you actually have to use to make, oh, make yeah. that bike work. You know? And then, you know, you get on a, a modern four stroke and you're like, Oh my gosh, this bike makes you so lazy, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, the, the amount of effort needed to, uh, to, to make like to be flawless on a two stroke, um, it is honestly one of the, one of the reasons why I, I like to continue racing one because, uh, at my level, uh, it like, it honestly kind of checks me up a little bit, not to just totally p push my pace and possibly make a mistake that ends up with me not going to work on Monday. But, uh, honestly in in a racing situation, <laughs> if, <clears throat> if I beat you on a two stroke, dude, I'm on a two stroke and if, and you beat me and I'm on a two stroke and you're on a four stroke, well, dude, I'm on a four, uh, I'm on a two stroke. So like I win on both ends. Like uh, there's, there's no losing when it comes to racing a two stroke. Um, you're on, you're on the 450 now. I understand that you've got a pretty nicely appointed Suzuki nowadays, by the way. Yeah, I built it. Uh, I built it out of some spare parts across the street. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty fun <laughs> across the street. We, uh, that's where the, um, the uh, factory race shop used to be, right? And uh, and actually still is for the for the road race team. And actually, um, JZR is actually um, plugged into that place right now because they're on their West Coast Supercross swing. But yeah, the um, the 450 Abs is uh, it's a pretty fun little little machine for sure. Absolutely. So, w what are the mo most important things for a guy like yourself building a bike that you're going to enjoy on race uh, on practice days? You go out to the tracks. Uh, I, I think you probably spend more time on uh, your mountain bike, and we'll get into that a little bit as well. But when it comes to f uh, twisting the loud handle, what are some like absolute essentials for you to uh, get the most amount of enjoyment of your throttle therapy? Uh, well, first, um, I think first and foremost, and this might sound so ridiculous but the bike's got to look sick 
That's my thing. Like, of course. It's got to have, like, got to look good to play good. Factor, like, yeah, like, just, uh, and I, I'm, I mean, so much of that stuff, stuff is subjective, but for me, it's got to have, like, just cool stuff on it and cool graphics, and it's got to look clean, and, you know, after you ride it, you better wash it because you don't put that thing away dirty, you know? Like, that. that's the first thing. And I'd say probably the second thing for me is just, uh, you know, when you crack the throttle, that it just sounds like mean, mean as all get out. You know what I mean? Right. So I think those are the two, two factors for me. After that, I'm, I'm slow anymore. So I'm not, I, I mean, I like to pretend that I'm fast, but like, I think one of those things, like if, if you look like you're going fast, then that's half the battle. That's me for sure. Hey, look pro, go slow, bro. That's my, uh, that's like that's why that's why I like you, Eric. That, well, that's why we're cut from the same cloth, man. Like all the posts I do of my motoing down is all still images. You can't tell how fast someone's going in a still image unless uh, it's Eli Tomac going so fast that everything around him is blurry. But uh, no, it's um, I you gotta look right. Like I remember when I first got my uh, uh, SX250 from Husk or from KTM, and uh, it had like the the factory stock graphics, and and like it just didn't it. Not didn't have my numbers on it and stuff like I was just looking at things brand new motors. I'm like, doesn't look right yet. It needs to have uh, the uh, and actually, I really like the kit that I have now. It's kind of a throwback to the uh, uh, 03 uh, KTM factory team. But yeah, no, it's gotta gotta have the right look, and that that gives you the confidence and just the uh, uh, just the, you always seem to have the right look uh, on on uh, the track. So even if uh, the the speed not might not be there. Like I said, a still image definitely uh, lets everybody know uh, what you got going on. I think, you know, I think it's just pride of ownership, you know, like yes. I'm so excited to, when, after you build something to, to own it, like, I guess it's like an old guy with an old, like classic car. It's just like, you're, it's kind of like your baby and you built it and, and you're, you're proud of it. So you like, you, you, you just like to drool over it. You know what I mean? For sure, I, th- I think that's uh, that's exactly like you got to have pride in your bike, and like you said, uh, not like uh, not not putting it away dirty. I literally there's a, a place called the Buggy Bath, about five, not even a two minute walk from uh, where I keep my bike. I, I have a storage unit, I don't have a garage just yet, but uh, um, yeah, where I keep the bike. The bike, I stop at the buggy bath before I even take the bike back. It's always prepped. It's always ready to go. I get comments all the time. People are like, "Oh, you ever you ever ride that thing?" And I'm like. I ride it plenty. I also wash it plenty. I buff up the uh, the exhaust pipe on it. Of course, it's a two stroke, uh, and, and the thing always looks right. So uh, yeah, totally. Just taking pride in your work, and I, I feel like um, that as well as everything is how you do anything is how you do everything. You take pride in washing your bike. Take pride in uh, like uh, doing my podcast. Take pride in brushing my teeth. It's all the same thing, and uh, that's this how I know. How, that's the only way to know how to be. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of, like, I was just thinking, I was just had a vision of you washing your bike when it was thirty-five degrees below zero. <laughs> we were, when we were talking the other day, we you were asking uh, what the weather was like here, and you're like, "Dude, it's thirty-five below zero here," and I was like, "Who can? <laughs> I can't even fathom how cold that is, man." Oh, dude, it's uh, like, obviously this last weekend, it wasn't that quite cold. I did go out and watch a few of my buddies doing some ice racing uh, where they basically create a dirt oval uh, on a uh, on a, a lake and they just plow it and uh, guys ride with studs on their tires um, and they'll go out in minus 30. Uh, it's not often that they do it, but uh, yeah, basically that you're the, the 
the air is biting at your face or any bare skin you might have. Skin freezes in two minutes and uh, actually a lot of times when it gets that cold, uh, they actually close a lot of the uh, car washers locally because so much ice builds up on the outside or the exterior of the, uh, the exits and entrances of the uh, car washers just because it's so uh, so, so, uh, cold. So, um, yeah, I, minus 30, I might, you might not find me washing my bike, but, uh, I did, we have done some arena crosses <laughs> over the years, uh, where it was plenty cold outside. And, uh, those of course, that's full two stroke days. Uh, so imagine, yeah, minus 25, minus 20, uh, a bunch of guys with the, the, the ass end of their motorcycle, uh, pointed out of a, a garage door and, uh, like cleaning the thing out so that they can ride arena cross. Uh, it was, it was quite the time. And, uh, yeah, I guess you just sort of, uh, like, you, you you jet the bike for it, you, and all that fun stuff. It's 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 a it's a real adventure, but uh, I love it. So uh, we'll keep keep doing what we're doing, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I was born up here, man. Like I literally, I, I was on skates at the age of three years old. I played hockey up until I was uh, eighteen, and I still play on a beer league team. So I guess you could say I still play hockey. So uh, uh, cold weather is is uh, is no, no stranger to me, and I'm no stranger to it. So we'll, we'll just keep figuring it out. Yeah, well, just as long as everybody knows that you're in, stuck in the tundra up yes. there doing podcasts. Heck yeah, that's a, <laughs> this is this is my indoor activities that I told you about via text. Is that I, I can fill my time with this. My uh, my beloved Winnipeg Jets are taking on the uh, Nashville Predators. They're currently up two nothing on my television. Of course, that's muted because we're talking uh, Yoshimira with uh, Big Eric Bartoldis. Big E, who where where did you get that? At by the way, who started calling you Big E? And uh, obviously, it's it's not like 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 most hockey nicknames, which is either a uh, uh, I'm either Gebs or Gebby. Would you just give you an idea of how uh, imaginative the the nicknames are in hockey? How uh, who who gave, who bestowed Big E on you, or was that uh, is that something that you got from uh, even a younger age? Uh, it was actually I was younger, so this is uh, probably back in uh, 1986. A buddy of mine, uh, actually one of my best buddies, um, we were driving across the country doing a BMX tour, and um, we and he just just one of those things. He's like, uh, hey, uh, he he just started calling me that out of the clear blue, and uh, and it stuck. And then all of a sudden, it it just everybody just started to call me that, and then to this day, everybody just knows me as Big E. And I think my wife is probably the only person that calls me Eric. Besides you, just now on the podcast, but but yeah, it's <laughs> okay, pretty funny. Like how it's just, it, no, it's fine. But it's pretty funny how it's just, it's become my like moniker, and it's not something that I strove for. It's just like everybody, you know. It's funny from my BMX days. I'll just be walking through a a stadium back east or something. So it doesn't even matter if I'm in Toronto or from back in Netherlands or wherever it is. I'll hear somebody just yelling Biggie, and it's just like sure enough, it's somebody from the BMX days or something like they just recognized me and it's just funny how it stuck. I mean, it's just one of those things are like, that's just my name now, you know? No, absolutely. Big E is what it is. Uh, you stick with it, you respond to it. And I think it's almost become a bit of a moniker for you. Uh, not maybe it's not like you just like become Big E as if you were like a character of some sort, but you, you definitely, I think maybe when, when you're at home, you're Eric to your wife, and as soon as you put uh, put on the Yoshimira jacket to leave the house, uh, you become Big E, and that's uh, that big personality, that infectious, uh, vivacious guy who just uh, oozes enthusiasm for the sport of motocross. And uh, I think that's why uh, people are so gravitated to you, my friend. You just always have a smile on your face. 
you're you're energetic at the track uh, in, in a sport where there's uh, I wouldn't say there's a lot of negativity because it's easy to fall in love with motocross, but uh, there's a lot of people who get a little bit frustrated with the way the sport is sometimes and stuff like that. And I think you're a pretty uh, you're a breath of fresh air when it comes to that sort of thing because uh, you just love it. You love the sport and uh, you maximize the positive side, the positive sides of things that uh, um, maybe not aren't always just uh, rainbows and sunshine. Dude, I, I seriously, like, I appreciate that, but I, I, I honestly, it's one of those things that, I mean, how can you, first of all, how can you not love this sport, period, right? Like, True. I mean, um, and they, actually, since I've been working with, um, working here at Yoshimura, I've really come to really fall in love with just all things motorcycling, you know, like, even on the street side, I've been able to, even this year, I've ridden so many different kinds of street bikes, you know, when we bring them in here, and we actually test them, and we develop exhaust systems for them, and I just... I just love motorcycles, you know, and, and uh, like I say, I love mountain bikes too. I love everything two wheels, but I mean, how can you not love dirt bikes? I mean, it's just the, one of the funnest things. It's, it's, it's how I grew up. You know, we went out in the, you know, you could ride right out from my house down in Florida or actually in New York where I, st- where I grew up and we would just ride out and just dirt bikes were it, you know? And so, I don't know. I think it was, as, as it pertains to the sport, I really think that you can find negatives in everything, man. I mean, true. I tell people all the time, I work for the coolest exhaust company in the world, but we are not a perfect company by any means. But I think when we come to work in the morning, we strive to. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I mean, we, we, we were definitely not a perfect company, but we strive every morning when we come in to, to make a better product than we did the day before or or to make a customer satisfied. And that's our goal is to just try to be a, a better company every day. And, and I think that, you know, when you look at the sport, you can find negatives in anything, you know. But at the end, the end of the day, you watch what happens this weekend in, in Anaheim in that stadium that has been getting rain for the last four days and and, motor, and a race goes off and people are screaming and throwing popcorn and you see little kids smiling because these, these uh, incredible athletes are signing autographs for them. I'm like, that, that's just, that, I mean, I'm in heaven, man. Come on, you know. Absolutely. Well, that that is exactly the attitude and the uh, the um, just the mindset that you bring to the races and the the industry on a, a seven days a week clip. And uh, I think that's why you've always been able to bring cool people around you. People want to be around you, whether it's at the racetrack or on the mountain bike trails. You're never uh, um, short on people to to bring around you, and always seem to have uh, just a lot of positivity. I think that people connect with that, uh, and I think that also uh, speaks volumes about the business, the company that you you guys work with. Uh, and I re- I understand that uh, there's been a little bit of change in leadership lately, and that's also been a positive thing. Uh, yeah, there is actually. Um, so um, in March of 2018, um, Don Sakakura, which has been leading the company since I would say, I don't know when he actually became vice president, but I think it was back in the eighties. So Don started, Don started here as a mechanic in 1980, working for West Cooley, uh, on the road bike side. And, um, uh, March of, of 2018, Don actually, um, uh, basically closed that chapter and, and Don runs the Yoshimura Suzuki racing uh, side of our business. And now we have a, a, a new leadership with uh, Yusaku Yoshimura, which he is our, um, he is our president now of the company and Yusaku. What's really cool. Yusaku is actually um, the grandson of Pops Yoshimura, Holy. which actually started the company back in uh, 1954. 
Wow, that's some so, lineage right there. Yeah, it's totally. And what's cool about Yusaku is um, he's a young he's a young guy. He's got an engineering background, and uh, he's been working here at Yoshimura for over ten years. He's been in the U.S. and uh, he's just a switched on guy that has an engineering background that just has passion for um, really all things motorcycle. Again, uh, but what's really funny is um, the last probably. I don't know, maybe five months. He's really gotten into mountain biking. We we go on mountain bike rides together, and he's just so he's so into mountain bikes. And uh, his son's into mountain bikes, and um, so he's just got the the mountain bike bug. But um, his leadership has actually uh, been really refreshing. Not not that Don's wasn't refreshing at all, but um, I think that Yusaku is bringing a new vision to the company and, and uh, bringing new technology and new ideas and embracing um you know like what is going to happen in the next generation for yoshimura you know like i think the um the company will always be be in the yoshimura family that's kind of what how yusaku came to be the the president and um yusaku really relies on the people around him to help uh direct um direct kind of his vision so that's a really mature way to look at it so I just think that the, the um, you know overall the company's in, in really good hands, and um, and I think it's uh, it's you know as as new technology comes around with uh, electric or whatever it might be, I think um, you know Yoshimura is definitely in, in in going to embrace whatever whatever is in front of us, you know, as far as on the motorcycle side. For sure, I I, I totally agree with that. I think that uh, part of the the fit. Fit, finish, and performance uh, standards that uh, Yoshimura adheres to is has a lot to do with uh, honestly probably what they're better known for, which is um, which is like uh, road bike stuff, uh, street bike stuff. Um, like obviously, a lot of your com- competitors on the motocross side of things are are not dedicated to uh to the road bike side of things or street bikes um do you feel like that sort of that world that that precise world of uh, of street bike racing is something that sort of bled over to uh the manufacturing and just like the like the tolerances and stuff on the motocross side uh as far as motocross or as yoshimir goes because i feel like uh the same sort of ideas and are sort of carried over a hundred percent. I think, um, you know, when, I think when pops, you know, I, if that, I don't know if you whole, know the whole story about him, that that's a, a whole nother podcast. I don't, but but we get, yeah, we'll have to get into that. Podcast. He, he, um, he actually started working on engines. He was a, um, he was a mechanic, um, in Japan and he used to work on, um, all the, all the airplanes for on, in world war two. And he actually was a, a pilot that helped lead a lot of the, uh, the um the um I can't for, it's escaping me now that the pilots that crashed into the aircraft carriers forgot what the bonsai pilots or something I forgot what they're called now. kamikaze yeah the kamikaze sorry right so he he would um there's a pretty gnarly story that you could probably google it and find it but um we're gonna actually um be we're um we're gonna actually publish um the story the kind of the whole rich history of Yoshimura on our website pretty soon but he um he would lead a lot of people uh, like his friends as he would call he called them out to out to their death to to uh for the emperor of japan you know for the, I mean, when you're in it you're in it. yeah so so the whole story is that, you know the war the war ended and he he wound up working on um 
on four strokes because he knew him so well from the from the uh, aircraft side of it um, to, to you know for all these American GIs that were on these bases and they would all start coming to pops to get their their bikes hopped up and so that's kind of at the very beginning how it started and um, and and just going back to your question I think for sure that's how you know that 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 precise engineering that that just that just followed through from Pops to Fujio and now to Yusaku and just basically how we build stuff. I think the one thing that we really had to learn as, as, uh, as four strokes came into motocross is um, not the, uh, not how to make a, the engine perform, but how to make uh, an exhaust uh, last longer. So the durability side is something that we had to learn. And um, I think when we started making maybe our first off-road pipes were maybe DRZ 400 pipes. And yeah. then um, as, as um as four strokes came more popular and more popular we wound up being the, the factory honda um exhaust pipe i think it was the end of 05 we we, we landed that um the, on the team and okay, we just yeah. learned how to make and that's how we really i mean it's always been yoshimura's thing the, the the crucible the crucible of racing is how we build a better product so what better way to learn racing than be on a factory team and be able to cater to that so i think that's how we Early on, when we came to dirt, we learned we had to learn how to build a um, a better exhaust pipe from the durability aspect, not so much from for performance, but from the durability aspect. And I think that um, maybe some of our competitors had to had to kind of catch up to that. You know what I mean? Because they were so right. I mean, mo- supercross and motocross was all it was all two stroke at that time. So absolutely no. It I think was... I, I think I answered I think I answered your question right. So I, you know what I mean? Like I think. That 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 stuff carries over for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think on the durability side, we just had a little bit to learn on the uh, the what happens on a motocross or a supercross bike because it you know motocross is even different than supercross of what the needs are. So it oh. uh, it all it all uh, we all we learned how to do it as we went in, you know, head first. I couldn't agree more. Uh, it, like the, I think it's funny how we uh, roll our dirt bikes around and like, like with the greatest of caution. We don't want to lean them up against anything that might, might scratch the, uh, the 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 grips even. But then we launch launch it a couple hundred feet through the air or or, or slam the thing into a, into the ground uh, after a, a section of rollers or something like that without really thinking about it. Um, but yeah, like the 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 rigors that uh an exhaust systems go through obviously they're on the perimeter of the motorcycle and uh, they're always in harm's way uh especially when the bike goes end over end or uh, any type of uh like like, like they're dirt bikes right we, we we lay them down we 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 go over the bars this that and the other thing you need something that's going to uh, stand the test of time um how, how do you but how do you find the the razor's edge there as well to uh, uh like a, a performing uh, a performance piece that does its job, that saves weight, that creates more horsepower, but also uh, will uh, take a licking and keep on kicking. I mean, I think really, honestly, it's just the experience of of craftsmanship, really, and, and learning and seeing what happens in racing. And I mean, that's the, I think racing is definitely the gnarliest place where you can test and, and, and work, out the, work out your product. And that's how you know, whether it's on the street side or on the dirt side, that's how we learn how to build a better product. You know, um, I think, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's really what really helps us make the product we make today is, is obviously the passion for making a great product. But if we didn't, if we didn't go racing, we would, uh, we, our product would be mediocre, I believe, you know, cause we, we, we would never have that, um, 
you know, the, the, those extreme um, places and uses of our product where yeah. it helps us build a better, you know? Yeah, the demands of factory level racing are are that of uh, you just don't get it uh, with your weekend worries. You don't get that through product testing uh, with with just uh, your your usual testing guys. Uh, the 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 way that uh, Ken Roxon, for an example, uh, or uh, or someone over at JGR puts through uh, puts the bike through is is this something that you don't get anywhere else. And I guess that's maybe where we move next is. Um, about three years ago, uh, Yoshimira uh, basically like handled everything for uh, engine building and exhaust systems for factory Suzuki, and uh, incrementally sort of let let go of that over to uh, JGR. You guys still, for as far as I'm, uh, as far as I know, fly uh, the pipes for uh, that particular team, the, the Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, what's that process been like, basically uh, uh, loosening the grip on the, the factory Suzuki effort? And because uh, obviously up until just last year, I believe uh, the 250 side of things was still through you guys. Yeah, so um, I'll go, I'm just going to speak from my side. Um, yeah. Obviously, Don Sakakura, that's, that's kind of his wheelhouse. And that was his his decision to actually, um, you know, JGR was at the right place at the right time, where um, you know those guys were ready to to take on the factory team as a as a as a, as a whole. Um, and I think you know, I think from a ten thousand foot view or even down to a, a ten foot view, um, there couldn't be a better group of people that can that could run a run a race program. I mean. From Coy Gibbs to Jeremy Albrecht to, I mean, everybody in that program has really been handpicked. Um, and, uh, and just, I can't say enough good things about those guys. I mean, I, it's, it's, um, for them guys to run the quality operation that they do is just, it's just awesome. And I say, I hope that, and I think that Suzuki really, um, I guess doesn't take for granted how awesome that those guys are back there in North Carolina for the brand. Because I really believe that it's been um, it's been so easy to um, to like you say hand the reins over or whatever, because those guys are so qualified to do it, and um, we do we have I think one or two guys back there that are actually liaisons for uh, communicating with the uh, engineers in Japan to actually communicate with them because you know at this point um, we are really the only not we but JGR. Uh, is only the only motocross supercross factory team in the world that's that's racing right now because the, they uh, you know they did away with the the, the uh, MXGP team. So to build factory race parts, all that all that that goes through JGR. They 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 communicate with Japan and uh, tell them the the kind of product and the engineers come out and they go to go to North Carolina and they they basically build factory race parts um, with JGR's. Um, um, feedback so it's uh, it's really a it's, a it's a well-oiled program and the fact that those guys picked up and ran with the ball so quickly and easily and the transmission the, the the transition has been so seamless for us um it just it just it's it couldn't be better so you know on our side you know so the the supercross and motocross team now is with jgr but we still are the uh the factory road racing team here and we do that out of chino across the street in our race shop still. So it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's pretty fun to watch this whole thing kind of really just blossom, you know? 
So as far as your role with the company, do you focus mainly on off-road stuff or do you play both sides of the fence with, uh, with, with on-road stuff as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do both. Uh, yeah. You have to walk both sides of it, you know, and that's why it's been, you know, since I've been at Yoshimura, it's been such a fun thing to really learn about like street bikes and emissions and, and what uh, um, regulations and so many of those things that have to happen on the street side. Cause it is, um, it's, it's an exhaust pipe for sure. But um, when it pertains to the dealer or the OEM or whatever, it's, it's a different ball game when you're selling an exhaust pipe uh, on the street side, because um, you know, when you're dealing with a motocross bike, it's a closed course competition vehicle. You can bring a, those bikes are brought in as competition vehicles. So they're not, subject to emissions related anything right but on the street side because it's a, something that a, a consumer is using it's going on the street uh the, everything has to be homologated for you know whether it's a, a turn signal a light or was as it pertains to us the the the, um, the emissions that the um the engine is producing so we have to be you know it, there's so many things that come into play it, it's crazy on the street side so and i think maybe that's what really helped us uh, on the four-stroke side as well as um, just building a better product is just knowing a lot of the ins and outs of, of, of that side of it. You know, there's so many, just like on the two-stroke, I think there's so many little things you can do on a two-stroke to make things better. On the four-stroke side, it's the same. You know, there's a lot of little cool, fun uh, inside tricks that you can do to, to build a better exhaust and to build performance in certain places. So I think that's what Yoshimura really um, – thrives on what would you say is one thing that yoshimira does better than any of their competitions uh Ooh. as far as building product just as a as a company as a philosophy or like what, what, what's something that you're like yeah nobody's got us beat right here um i would say i'd like to say uh, just on the top of my head and, and i maybe i'm wrong on this but i would say from my aspect i'd say our customer service Okay. So I think that I think Yoshimura goes. I think I we strive to anyway. We try to go above and beyond. Um, when a when a consumer has um, a problem with his exhaust pipe or he's happy with it or uh, anything that goes on with our brand, we want to the uh, the the end result is we want somebody that's happy with their product. So I think we we try to go the extra mile to make sure that happens, whether it's you know, a fitment's not right, or if they crash, we actually do refurbishments here. You know, if somebody lays their bike down and, you know, and rubs a hole in the side of the canister or something needs to, somebody has a crash with a, say on a, on a CRF 450 with the dual exhaust, you know, you could send your stuff in and we're going to, we're going to try to refurbish it for refurbish it for you so that um, you don't have to spend a whole lot of money to get a new exhaust pipe. Maybe we can Maybe you could spend a half the money or a quarter of the money, and we can make your exhaust pipe like new again. So really? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's we we do that here in Chino, and that and that just goes back to the way we build and design our product. It's made to be serviced. So, you know, we build all the stuff here. So we we encourage people. You know, if if you just need a repack, then we'll do that here. But if you crash your motorcycle, you know, we can look at it and see if we can repair it. And usually, a lot of probably. Seven times out of ten, we can, and when we do, we try to really make that cost effective for the um, for the for the for the for the consumer. So um, we know and that's one of the reasons our exhaust pipes are a little more expensive because that those type of details are 
are built into our products. So they're made to be serviced and they're made to be, if, if they're, they can, you know, crashes happen on motorcycles, right? Yeah. So um, we know that we want to we be able to service that customer. So, you know, I think on a whole, I think that's, I would say for, for us, that's probably what makes us, in my mind, that, that much better than our, any of our competition is that we, we not only sell the best exhaust pipes, we service them as well. And then we want to make sure that that customer is satisfied from, like I said, from the day he pops that box open um, to the day he, he sells his motorcycle and buys another Yoshimura exhaust for whatever he has. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you gotta check them out. They're motocross dedicated and, uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It, it pops and crackles just like a real fire. And, uh, it's gonna make your garage smell better. It's gonna make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're gonna love these candles and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them and you're gonna love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Dot com. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. Just let go. Put our middle fingers up with a smile and let it roll.
not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. I do it my way and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her and I've got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point and kind of realize let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This Fast House crew is going to break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateers racing program throughout the day i'm talking pre-race strategy filming practice session sessions talking about the racetrack meeting the riders getting cool swag getting to hang out with guys like dave drakes getting to hang out with guys like me at the track it's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers you're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience check it out google the collective experience First thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey guys, this is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. Love being on the show and talk to you soon. Well, there you go. I, I think that uh, like for those who don't already think of uh, of or give consideration to uh, to 
Yoshimura when they're they're getting uh, an exhaust system. I think they definitely need to uh, to to do exactly that. I feel like sometimes uh, brands like say like uh, it's like Yamaha or Husqvarna, KTM, um, because like you, you don't see a lot of Yoshimura pipes on race day at the factory level with the Yoshimura pipe on there. Um, it just seems to get like a little bit forgotten sometimes. I know you guys absolutely crush it on the Honda side of things, and you'll be forever connected with Suzuki as well. Well, um, how, how do you kind of sort of change the minds and sort of pull some people over from uh, who the maybe the people who have this sort of thinking that uh, if you're a, a Honda guy, you, you buy FMF. If you're a Kawasaki guy, if you put anything on there other than Cal, or than Pro Circuit, you're crazy. Like, how do you battle that? Um, it's definitely an uphill battle for sure because we don't. I, I mean, honestly, we don't spend as much time racing with those brands as we do as, as Honda and Suzuki. But I can tell you on the R&D side that we, when a bike comes through here, we, you know, it's funny, we might not be the first brand to market with a uh, exhaust pipe for that particular bike when something new comes out. But we definitely do a lot of R&D. And the guys that know, know what I'm talking about. We do a lot of R&D before we release an exhaust to the, to the public. So um, even just like just recently, you know, the, the, the KX450, uh, the new 19, it's getting a lot of attention because it's a, I think a couple, of, it won a couple of shootouts already, and I think that uh, there were some issues with uh, some subframes breaking, and we knew that early on, so we wanted to make sure that our our exhaust pipe was going to last longer. So, I think at the end of the day, we were we were probably the last the last exhaust to the market, maybe on the Cowies. Mm-hmm. But I can firmly say at this point right now, I, I think we have the, one of the best if not the best offering for that green bike and sure we're going to battle other brands because they're more famous for being on green but i think you know we we spent a lot of time r&d in that exhaust for that bike we just didn't bend some tube up and say okay we've got it let's go let's sell it we um and you guys that know that ride our stuff that test it they can feel the difference from when you know something's being researched and developed and and that's part of our name you know it's yoshimura research and development of america that's what we do here and we um we spend a lot of time and, and and even with the the orange brand and the blue brand for sure we um we just don't bend stuff up we take everything that um that we're designing and developing we we feel like we if we're going to go if we're going to build something it's got to be able to go racing it's got to be the best that we can build it so i think uh, i would just encourage anybody that you know if they're riding a KTM or they, they don't feel that um if they're having a if they have a Yamaha or even a green bike I would just encourage them to try our product, and I, I know that you won't be uh, unhappy with it. There you go. You heard it here first. Big Eric E. Biggie Bartoldis telling you to give Yoshimura a chance, regardless of what color of back fender, front fender you happen to have on your motorcycle. Maybe you have a black front fender on your Yamaha. I don't know why you would do that, Eric. But uh, some people do. Uh, if you have a black uh, front fender on your Yamaha, you might even still want to go with Yoshimura. Sound good? Oh, absolutely. Uh, did that, <laughs> but did that answer your question? Did I yeah, absolutely. answer correctly? For, okay, for sure. Okay. You, you handle all sure. these like a pro, my friend. Now, what would you say, and, and you are uh, about as familiar with the Southern California uh, mountain bike trails as I think anybody that I know, maybe, uh, the only person that would rival <laughs> you would be, uh, would be swap. And I think you guys have headed out in the trails together at a lot of times. So I think the two of you are almost tied. Would you agree? 
Um, swap definitely has the my the mileage covered for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have the the uh, the time covered. So Fair I've enough. been riding mountain bikes for, for a long time in these hills, and I think that he's got the mountain bike bug in the last like four or five years or something. So yeah, but he rides way. He dude, that guy rides every day. I think I wish I could do that. Heck but, yeah, uh, I think he swap, does. Uh, he's an awesome dude, and and. Uh, and um, he definitely um, loves mountain bikes, and, and I think we share that, that same passion for sure. Heck yeah, you do. So you're familiar with a, a particular bike trail called the Luge, correct? <laughs> That's actually my, uh, one of my favorite trails. There you go. Mission Viejo, not far uh, from one of the uh, rock and cyclery uh, locations that uh, uh, hosts the, uh, the, I think it's the A2 Ride Day this year. Uh, it's coming up. I participated last year in the A1 Ride Day uh, where they took off from there. Uh, it was the first time I had taken on this ride. Um, and this thing. Oh, so that's how you know to lose. You actually went on that ride. You I actually went on that it, right? ride. And uh, what, what, what if I told you that I'd showed up in a pair of Adidas skate shoes, a, back, a, a backwards hat, uh, like basically board shorts, a t-shirt, and uh, clip, no, no clipping in shoes. I rode with uh, uh, like flat pedals, rode all the way to the top of that damn thing on a, uh, on a borrowed, uh, I think it was a specialized Epic. And uh, rode all the way down um, in my in my my skate shoes and uh, and ball cap. I would probably be saying number one, you're probably from Canada, <laughs> and number two, I bet you had I'll bet you had the biggest smile on your face ever. Yeah, absolutely, I did. Uh, that was uh, <laughs> I, I think you know who the, the only smile that probably rivaled mine was uh was swaps when i came around the corner and he sees everybody coming through and all their spandex and they're they're like fully uh, like they're they've got all the gear on they, they they've got the the full uh gear acquisition syndrome just fully decked out and then there's me in my uh literally a t-shirt that says where the blank is the finish line and uh my my, my just regular shorts and a, and a backwards hat and, and here we go <laughs> He probably stuck out like a sore thumb. Huh? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, yeah, that, that was a, a, a after after that, I was hooked. I need to do more mountain biking in in that area. Um, what are some other uh, areas that you like to ride? I'm sure there's some people listening who also uh, take to the trails in uh, in SoCal. I mean, honestly, I ride all I ride all over the place in Orange County, um, but um, I think the Luge is definitely one of my favorites, but um, I mean, there's so many cool places. Like, um, since it's been raining a lot out here, there's a there's a trail called San Juan Trail, and it's down in uh, San Juan Capistrano, and um, it's about 27, 2,800 feet of climbing, and then you turn around and you just go down for about 25 minutes, and it's the scenery and the dirt. It's just like it could be raining, and actually was raining the other day. Yusaku, um, who I mentioned earlier. He, we went up there and I'm like, Hey, it's, it's wet. It's okay though. We can ride. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, no problem. So we went up there and it sure enough, it, it was wet. And, but it, I mean, it's got great traction. It's not muddy and it started pouring down rain on us. And, um, and then it started hailing on us. So, so that was really interesting. But I mean, I'm telling you like that trail in the rain for me is like, it's the best for sure. It definitely, 
uh, hones your skills in the rain when you can't see and you're going down these rain ruts that are up to your top tube. It's pretty gnarly. No so doubt. I'd say probably, I'd probably say that's, that's right now because it's raining and it's so moist. That's probably the, it was, is, is probably the, the trail that sticks out of my head. That's probably the funnest right now. Well, for sure. I, I got to imagine this. Some... So, Go ahead. Everything else is so waterlogged, you know? Yeah, well, I was going to ask, like, at this time of year, uh, I think two years ago was an extremely wet January, and I imagine the, the rotting was probably brutal, but uh, is, is, is the rain a welcome change for you guys to have a little bit more moisture in the soil, and are there certain spots that are, that are way better with a little bit more rain, and obviously a few that are completely off limits with this amount of rain? Like, what's kind of like the, the happy medium of, uh, that makes you guys uh, just, like, totally stoked on, on what's going on. I mean, you never really want days, days and days of rain right after like, like we've, we've probably had about the last, I think since Monday it's been raining. So it's kind of just not, it's just been consistently just pouring, you know? So that's kind of not fun, but I mean, honestly, like for me, I'm welcoming every bit of rain we can get because everything is just so has been so dry. And uh, as soon as it stops raining, a lot of that stuff, it's because it's been so dry, it it really kind of gets absorbed. So um, I would say for me, I mean, let it rain. You know, I just, it just thinks that it's raining all at once. And when that happens, all the rain, it just, it just washes all, it just, it rains so hard that a lot of times it, it doesn't get time to soak in and just washes right out to the ocean. You know, we don't like <laughs> smart people in California. We haven't figured out a way to stop stop the rain from going out to the gutters to the ocean and storing it we just let it just run to the ocean so yeah. see you later but that's kind of the only the real bummer about the rain is that we don't really capture it and use it you know but, that's fair enough i mean the only thing you guys are using it for right now is uh all the like, there's going to be tons of greenery and growth and then that will shortly thereafter uh that will uh dry and then burn so uh, i worry about you guys a little bit with how much rain you're getting yeah, well, that's that's the uh, the pros and cons, right? You get this rain, and it feeds things, and it makes everything green and vegetation. And about mm, May or June, it all turns brown, and it and it just dry and crispy, and then it's fire season. Yes, so it, it is. Welcome, welcome to California. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so, like, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about because you, you've been out there for a long time, and you probably get used to this sort of like cyclical thing where um like some sometime in the middle of december all people or all motocross sort of descends on southern california and then it stays there till about mid-february and then uh, the supercross series heads out heads out east and uh, there's a few less supercross teams and there's like the the supercross tracks are a little bit less uh kept up and stuff like that uh what's that sort of situation or that like that uh Dem, that psychographic like for you where for the better part of say call it 10 weeks um Cal S southern california is absolutely bumping and then shortly thereafter things start to peter off a little bit and, and maybe you, you probably get a little bit more work done uh in the months uh that follow the, this big rush where it seems like uh like every every couple of days there's a guy like me calling you up to uh, to chit chat about what's what's going on people are visiting the office this that and other thing once things go east things quiet down a little bit how do you handle that and is that or is that something just in my brain and, and california is just hopping with motocross stuff uh around the calendar 
Um, it's definitely a unique thing. So like I, we call it when the circus is in town, when supercross happens, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's ramping up through the fall and everybody starts riding supercross and tracks are busy and all that stuff. But man, when it's a couple of weeks before, before Anaheim and during Anaheim and the next following five or six weeks, um, it's, it's funny because I'm so used to it. That's just my life, you know, but it is unique because it does distract from the rest of the stuff we do the rest of the year. Right. So it kind of, in, in a shorter time span too, it's the same thing happens when motocross uh, ramps up. So when Hank down right. and Glenn Allen or now Fox raceway has the, has the second race. I mean, that's um same thing. JGR is out here. They're using our shop. They're out here to do testing and stuff like that. And um, it's, it's just, it's a unique animal that uh, it's definitely unique to Southern California. And, you know, for me, it might be weird for a lot of different people, but for me, it's kind of the norm. And, 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 and you're right. It definitely, uh, it definitely, I would say, I wouldn't say the right word is distract, but it definitely pulls you away from the normalcy of work. And I, I almost think that's a good thing because you get so, sometimes you get so locked in a rut, it's hard to get out and you're like, this is the way we're doing stuff. And then supercross or motocross happens and all these cool people start coming through and you, you can give them tours like today. It was pretty rad. Cole Seeley came by. No big and, deal. Um, he, he picked up an exhaust pipe for one of his bikes, and I took him for a tour and showed him around. And he was just like, "Dude, this is so." He was so blown away by all the stuff we do here, because he, I mean, he was one of those guys that thought we just made everything in Japan, you know? Okay. And uh, it was just cool to show him. But like those things happen. Like that's not out of the common for for happening when Supercross is in town, you know? Because Cole's here. He's not flying back and forth to the East Coast or flying somewhere, and he's and it's been raining, so he takes time out to come by and say hi and check out the place. And it's funny, he's not. He said he was in our lobby before, but he's never been in the backside of our our shop, and he had no idea what we did here. So it's just it's fun to to, to show people um, that aren't familiar with what we do here, and and that that um, that takes place a lot of times during the whole Supercross season, you know. For sure. I so should like, say, not super cross season, but the time it's out here in Southern California, you know? Yeah, like that, that six, eight week, uh, little, like, sort of, uh, blast that you guys have. What's the coolest part about that tour? Like, what are, what's that kind of the coup de gras, the lead up and the climax of, uh, some of the coolest things you guys got going on there, over there at the shop? Oh, man. I don't even know. It just depends on what you geek out on, right? Like, I mean, we've got, I think we have eight NC machines. And um, they're just constantly building washers, brackets um, from billet and extrusion uh, aluminum. I mean, we've got big stamping machines, stamping end caps. I mean, we've got 3D printers printing out stuff in carbon fiber. Um, I do, I, we've got so many things happening here. It's, it's pretty crazy. So I, I don't know if there's one thing. It's all the things combined. It's, it's just what we do here is, I think, very, very unique, you know? For sure, like you, you guys definitely have uh, some some really interesting. You gotta stuff. come by for a tour. Yes, uh, mark me down. What you need to do the next time you're in Southern California. Yeah. You need to come out and visit. I need to come out and visit. I need to go on a mountain bike ride. That was one of the things that we actually talked about. I think it was at a one uh, because I, I, we talked about doing that. Actually, I was it was me who asked you. I'm like, where am I going to get a bike for this uh, for this a one ride? And then you you of course literally. Like we had met each other twice prior to that, of course, and this just sort of speaks volumes to the character and how awesome and giving uh, Big E is. Is that you're offering me uh, to to 
borrow your bicycle for the day, barely, barely know me from Adam, and you're, you're offering those types of things up. I think that just uh, kind of speaks to how, how cool of a guy you are. But yes, I definitely need to uh, take part in a tour. I need to check things out. Uh, maybe you do like the whole like Instagram live thing where we kind of give, give not only myself, but some of my listeners and my viewers a, uh, a bit of a, a background tour as well. Oh, dude, that would be, that's perfect. We should do that. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm, I'm holding you to it. Awesome. I, I plan on coming down for, uh, for Glenn Helen. So, uh, um, yeah, like let, let's, let's book that as, as much as happening. So, uh, let's do that. Okay. You can't edit this out of the podcast. No, you got every, absolutely. all your listeners, listeners are going to hold you to it at, uh, at one hour, three minutes into this conversation. By the time we, uh, by the time editing happens, it'll probably somewhere around an hour and 10 minutes into the podcast. Um, it'll be, uh, the, the timestamp. God is my witness for before or after Glen Helen National coming up. Uh, actually, wait, there is no Glen Helen National this week this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Fox uh, Raceway, Fox Raceway National. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, I love yeah. that track. If, honestly, if I had to, if I had to choose to ride either one of those tracks uh, on uh, on a, for a practice day, I'd probably go to uh, uh, Paula, aka oh. Fox Raceway. So uh, I, I would probably that's that's where I'm headed. Um, so I, I, maybe not the more historic of the tracks, but uh, if you're not a fan of extremely huge braking bumps and hills that will scare the living crap out of you, uh, uh, Fox Raceway may be the better <laughs> choice. Um, but uh, before I let you go on this podcast, of course, you're a marketing guru. Uh, you've been in the game for a long period of time. You've seen the best proposals in the world. You've seen the most feeble of proposals in the world. So I ask you this, and you don't have to name names. You don't have to give me an example of somebody <laughs> that came to you with just like an absolutely, like just a, just the worst kind of uh, um, like just a, like a, approach, so to speak. Um, like what are, what are like, give me an example of, of a proposal or uh, an approach to someone that you were, you were impressed. And another time where like, what is like, what's the worst way to approach Yoshimura for uh, a sponsorship? Cause I know that there's, there's an equal, I uh, probably actually, unfortunately it's not equal parts of both, but uh, there are both out there. Man, you're putting me in the spotlight, dude. Cause I have no idea how to answer either one of those questions. <laughs> Dude, honestly, like, and I don't know whether it's people don't, if they don't have their stuff together, they don't approach us, or I haven't seen that gnarly of a, of a, a train wreck before, but honestly, I don't, like nothing, nothing sticks out in my mind at all. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Like, that's a really good question. Is, is there any time I, where I, someone I comes and they're like, they literally like, they, they have, like, they have nothing prepared. They're just like, Hey, like, can I have pipes? And you're just like. Wait, what? Who are you? No. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude. I, honestly, I, I, it's funny. Maybe they, maybe they know who we are, and there's no chance of getting a sponsorship, or okay. and that doesn't happen. Like I, I don't know. It's, it's funny. Like nothing. I honestly, nothing sticks out of my brain. Like, oh, dude, you got, you got to hear this story. You okay. Know? Like, I don't have one of those. It's, it's that's a, that's funny. Huh. Well, oh, wow, I never thought about that. Well, I maybe have to to save that one for the next time we have you on the show because I got to imagine at some point because like as a marketing guy you get pitched on uh, like a proposal to to help out say a privateer or somewhere along those lines um, and you take a chance on somebody and some guys they knock it out of the park you're like I couldn't have gotten 
more value out of helping that one kid. He totally like he he gave us all the shout outs and he 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 knew the product. He like he actually read the literature that we sent him and did a whole like product PK, uh, product knowledge meeting where you you sort of like get knowledgeable about the product and he absolutely crushed it for us. And then there's the other side of the things where like uh, they get a, they get exhaust pipes, they barely even put it on the motorcycle, or they don't run the right stickers. Like you know what I mean? There's both sides to that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one story that's happened like within the last week. Okay. Um, the, the guy that the first the first guy that you mentioned, um, that's Kyle Cunningham for us. Okay. So Kyle, um, he called me up last week and he's just he's just trying to get a deal together to um, he's going to be riding Hondas, um, on the uh, on the East Coast, and he's like, hey, I really want to use Joe's this year, and I'm like, man, honestly, like. I just don't have a lot of product to help you with. And it's just, we, you got me in the wrong time. I don't have budget for it, but he's one of those guys for me. Um, and I'm blowing wind up his skirt or whatever now, but he gets it, man. Like he realizes and he appreciates his sponsors that help him get to where he's going to, to the aspect to where for us, like he returns every single thing that we give him like, Hey, here's the five exhaust pipes you've given me or whatever. And he, and he gets the whole, the refurb side of it. So, you know, like for us, when we sponsor a guy, we try to train him that like, okay, you use these exhausts for X amount of hours, you get him back here and you have, you have certain mufflers and rotation. So we keep them freshly packed. And that way you don't go through a lot of equipment through these, through the season because you, you keep stuff fresh that way, you know, and you have, you know, um, you have plenty of power when you're, when there's enough packing in your, in your exhaust, you know? And so I, I, I think for me, he's one of those guys that, you know, you, you know, you're saying like something that sticks out in my brain. Like he's a, he's an actual race guy that can actually make means and be in the top 20 or top 10, but also has the, has like, man, I appreciate what you're doing for me. And here's your exhaust back. I don't want to, he's not going to go and sell them. It's like, Hey, you gave these to me to go racing with and they're yours, you know? So like, I think a guy, so that from the, on the good guy side, he sticks out for me right off the bat because I was bummed I couldn't help him this year and um, to go supercross. I just didn't have the budget or the the exhaust pipes to go, hey, here's your program, you know, because he, I mean, it was just, he just came to me in the last week, you know, but he's a good, he's a good guy. He understands our brand and how we do things and um, it's just a pleasure to work with, you know. Oh, for sure. Like I, I got to imagine there's more than a few times where you, you, you work with a team that has an athlete that just goes over and above. They get it. They, 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 uh, they're just a pleasure to work with. Like you said, a guy like Kyle. Uh, and then if, if they find themselves not on that team, then uh, they, like, I, I imagine in the past you have been able to help some guys out, like kind of carry, like kind of sort of stay with that rider, so to speak, uh, when they maybe fall on some harder times where they, they don't have that uh, full support that uh, they would on, on, say, a factory back team or something along those lines yeah yeah exactly awesome so like final uh final question for you uh here on the big mx radio podcast uh if when we talk to you in five years time what's eric bartold is going to be doing what's big e going to be up to uh in the sport of motocross will you still be at yoshimura if i don't know if you can tell me that but like like do you plan on, on working within the motocross industry for as long as uh you've you've got uh, some working days in your system i i think so i mean it's kind of like my life it's kind of where i live right in the motocross side of things you know um 
I, I mean, I think five years from now, I think for me, no matter what I'll be doing, I don't whether I'm here at Yoshimura or wherever. I think my goal is just to have a smile on my face and enjoy what I'm doing. And I don't whether it's taking out the trash or or working here in the and doing the marketing for a, such an awesome awesome brand like Yosh. Um, that's my goal. I just I, like my goal is to have fun at my job, and that's what I you know when you're doing that you know that that old cliche you know like when you're having fun at your job you're not working you know. Mm-hmm. that's my goal. And I think, you know, when you do your job right and you're having fun, um, life is, life is good. Fair enough. I actually thought of a few more questions. Can I, can I keep you on? Oh, dude, I, I got time. I got time. I'm just uh, having a cup of coffee here with you. Perfect. Perfect. I like, uh, freshen up that cup of coffee because now I, I, I thought of this because you, of course, you're a bike guy. And bike guys are gear guys. You need to have, it's all, like, a bike is only as good as the components on it. Uh, We're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, I know people want to hear about motocross exhaust and motocross side of things, but I think there's an equal amount of people who listen to the podcast that are probably avid cyclists as well. What's on your bicycle right now? How many bicycles do you currently own? And, uh, like, what are some of the brands that you're faithful to as far as componentry and stuff like that? Because you're actually on a pretty interesting looking bike from what i can from what i can see you've got some pretty cool stuff on there um yeah i have a um it's a 29 it's a long travel 29 inch mountain bike that's probably where i spend my most of my time i've got a a, a Jameis road bike i have a my, one of my best best buddies works for Jameis, and uh he's on the road bike side of things and so i have a Jameis road bike and i don't spend a ton of time on that but I would say, and I've got some BMX stuff still in my garage, but the bike that I spend the most time on is that, uh, is my mountain bike. So it's called Matco and, um, they're on Instagram as Matco MTB. I think it's, I think it is. Right. And it's just a friend of mine that, um, just raced BMX growing up with. And, um, he started a mountain bike company for, for the fun of it. Doesn't have any endeavors to blow it up. It's just kind of like a boutique brand. And uh, he's just got some connections in Taiwan and, and was able to do some of his own stuff. It's called Matco, M-A-T-C-O. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love it. It's just a fun bike. And um, um, the guys that uh, – I had Fox suspension on it, but the guys over at Olean's in North Carolina got me set up with uh, some different suspension on it. Ooh. And so now I have Olean's on the front and back of the bike. And, Fancy. oh, my gosh, there's stuff so, so good. It's unbelievable. So I have uh, Olean suspension on it, and uh, I, I'm a die-hard Shimano guy. I believe that Shimano makes the best stuff out there. Um, some people might differ with me, but I believe that Shimano makes the best stuff, and, and I've just been using Shimano even from my, way back when I was, a, I was a little kid racing BMX. Right. Shimano was just one of the brands that just had that allure to it, and um, I think they just, they just built some really, really good stuff. So most of my bike Shimano. Um, and I'd say, you know, again, Olean makes some really incredible suspension for my bike. So that's kind of how my bike's dressed up. Fair but it's a, it's a long travel 29 or so it's got 160, uh, millimeters in the front and then, uh, 150, 150 or 155 in the back, I think. Awesome. So kind of, that's my setup. Uh, like how much did you resist the, uh, the urge to, to, to split off from a 26 to 29 because, uh, for, oh, I don't know, a decade, that was, uh, basically every 
cover of Mountain Bike Action had uh, the basically the battle between uh, uh, it was like twenty six, twenty nine, and then for everyone's was probably like seven hundred C and stuff like that. Like, wh- wh- how how long was it before you found yourself on a twenty nine or full time? Um, it's just recently. This was the Matco. I've ridden a lot of twenty nine ers, but uh, Matco is the first twenty nine er that I've owned, and I just love the geometry on it and everything. So. I used to um, spend a lot of time on a 26. I had a, a Santa Cruz, a Santa Cruz blur. And that was a really fun, snappy bike. And um, just a really fun bike. And uh, from that bike, I went to a Scott, um, Scott genius, which was a 27, five. Right. And going from a 26 to a 27, five, that was uh, not as big as a jump as I thought. And then, uh, but um, I was on that Scott genius for about, two and a half years i think and then i made the jump to this 29er and i'm like i am never going to get a 29 it's stupid even when um my buddy matt that owns this company he was like hey I, um let's uh you know i wanted it he makes a 27 five bike too and i'm like that's what i want he's like dude i'm telling you you want this bike you want this 29 and i'm like are you sure so he let me ride his bike and it was over after i rode it it was just amazing Oh, absolutely. So well, like there's the, the trade-off, right? The like a 26, 27 t- turns a little bit tighter. You got a little bit more maneuverability, but with the 20, 29, you got a bit way bigger circumference and you're able to uh, like just get over some of those rocks and roots and stuff that you guys encounter pretty much everywhere you go uh, if you're going uh, off trail um, when it comes to, uh, to mountain bike. Was that the thing that sold you is just how much less rolling resistance there was with the 29er? It's a, it's the rolling. It's, um, I've got like, um, like, uh, 2.5 tires in the front and rear. So it's, it's about the rolling. It's about the cushioning. Um, this, it's just everything about it. And the geometry of the bike makes it really fun to, to, uh, to just rock. I mean, I really, you can just blast that thing and it's just, and, and it's funny cause Matt, the guy that owns the company, he's like, dude, I'm telling you, as soon as you ride this bike, you're going to be getting PRs everywhere on Strava. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I'm serious, like for the first, I don't know, maybe, maybe the first two, three months I've had it, almost every single trail I went down, I was PRing until I crashed and then I, I had to heal up. Yeah. But unbelievable how, like, I'm like, dude, I'm not even, I'm like going 85% and I'm actually getting the personal record down this trail. That's wild. It's a, it was That's got to be a good feeling. Oh, it was really cool. Out. Like, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like things are like wow it, it, it really works like the technology is there you know that's super cool and i'm glad you're able to, to to see some dividends in your work obviously if you've been riding these trails for a long time i think it would be pretty difficult to uh to actually get some prs going because uh like, like you said you know the lines you know the flow tough to pick up the pace when uh you know the lay of the land pretty well yeah yeah, I mean, exactly. That's my point. Like, see, like, if you're going down these trails and it's like the 479th time you've been down it, and then you PR it, it's like something. What's different, you know? So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Like, I, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing the the the, the difference, you know. The, I mean, it's got its drawbacks for sure. It's a, the wheelbase is longer, and you've got a little bit more momentum, and and the the tires are bigger, sticking out and back in front of you. Right. So it doesn't you got some big front like brakes on that thing? You got a huge disc up front. Yeah, I run a 
I run two oh threes in the front and back. Okay. Rotor size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two or three millimeters. Um, so it um it doesn't it doesn't turn and it's not as snappy as like a twenty six. Yeah. Um, but man, it's it's uh, so it's it's definitely there's pros and cons to riding it, but for me, um, at my age where I'm at, I love I love the thing. Like it 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 does some. It just makes it. It's like a. It's a four stroke. That's what it is. <laughs> it makes me lazy. <laughs> there you go. We got the the mountain bike version of a four stroke. Well, uh, they they say you can see the world from the seat of a bicycle. Um, it's basically it's the the ultimate go anywhere, do anything. So then I ask you this: Where has cycling taken you as far as uh, places you've been able to ride? I know my dad makes an a- annual pilgrimage to uh, to Whistler for uh, the, the uh, Crankworks, which is uh, uh, obviously you. Know, you, you know Crankworks is, is one of the biggest mountain bike festivals in the world, and it's been uh, kind of copied a few times over a few different mountains and stuff like that. Have you been up to Whistler? Have you have you done some I – mean, I assume you've also you've, – uh, you've done enough trips out to uh, North Carolina. You've done some trips out there as well. Like uh, where, where are some spots outside of Southern California where you've, sound, you've found uh, some freedom on two wheels? Yeah, I've, I've ridden – Honestly, I've ridden bicycles like I, I want to say almost every state I've ridden a bicycle in. That's cool. Um, but no, one thing I have not been to Whistler, and believe Shame me, on, on my bucket list. I want to go there so bad. We should go. We should go in yeah, August. So I want to go. I want to go to Whistler bad. So I have to just convince my wife out of all the weekends I travel doing motocross and and representing my company and being gone that there it would be worth it for her to get rid of me for a week so i've got to sure. find a way to convince her so definitely maybe like, that, you know, so like, I, claim that you're going to go, go to ahead. a canadian national in like prince george bc <laughs> and and then just go to whistler instead yeah if i told her i was going to go to canadian national she probably wouldn't let me fair enough fair enough but if I was gonna, if I told her I was going to go to Whistler, she'd say, "Ah, you've been talking about that." So I think it's a better chance for me to tell her I'm going to go do Whistler, than than go to Canadian Nationals. So nothing against the Canadian Nationals, but Whistler is definitely a, a higher uh, echelon of cool factor for me. Oh heck yeah! Like uh, my, I have not. I've skied Whistler. I have never been there in the summertime. I've heard it's amazing. Um, my dad, my dad at 61 years old tells me that I need to get out there all the time. It's so much fun. So, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm usually, uh, staying home to do the, the bricklaying, Brian is that, that's why I'm not in Whistler and, and you are, uh, so he doesn't quite get that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, totally. Like, I, I think that's something that, uh, it's on both of our bucket lists. And, uh, I think if we can, uh, schedule some time for it in the next little while, I think, uh, uh, what better way to, uh, to enjoy it than maybe, uh, making a, a trip out of that. I think, uh, as much as you need to, uh, to nail me down to coming down for a, a tour over at Yosh, I think I need to nail you down that, uh, in, uh, let's, let's call it 18 months time that we both find ourselves in Whistler at the same time. Okay, well let's uh, let's keep each other to it. You can't wait two years and go, hey, uh, no. I haven't talked to you in two years, but hey, man, you need to come to Whistler. <laughs> exactly. No, no, we're we're I'm going to be just random texting you uh, as as often as possible. When are we going to Whistler? When are we going to Whistler? And we'll we'll eventually make a trip out of it. Um, but uh, enough about bicycles. Uh, and of course, I I could probably get you talking on bicycles uh, uh, forever in four days. Um, as far as when it comes to testing. 
every uh, every magazine wants to test every uh, every publication, online publication um, want, wants to test. Before you let me know who's good at it, who's bad at it, and how bad St uh, Dennis Stapleton is at uh, testing exhaust systems. Where do you draw the line as far as uh, like who gets to try exhaust systems, and, and where do you, uh, how do you make the decision on, uh, on like, basically, yeah, who, who, who to send an exhaust system over to? Um. I honestly, it's it's hard because there are a lot of people that I get a lot of requests like, hey, we got a, yeah. we got an RMZ 450. We'd like to put the Yosh exhaust system on it. And I'm like, man, it's so hard to go. You know what? We I want to help you out. But honestly, like we don't need any juice on the on the on the Suzuki 450 because we build the best exhaust pipe and everybody knows it for that bike. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's just really hard. So, man, it's it's just. It's one of those things where, like, you know, so you're we don't have. If I got a Kawasaki four-stroke and I want to call you up, <laughs> well, yeah. So you'll definitely have maybe a better chance. Okay. For sure. Fair enough. But, but even then, it's like you know, we we it's like we don't have endless resources, and I don't have an endless budget to just supply an exhaust pipe for for all these people that call. So it it, it is a really hard thing to go. You know what? This is going to be the, our biggest, our best and biggest bang for the buck. Let's give give these guys an exhaust pipe or this influencer exhaust pipe. Or, you know, it's hard because, you know, like every single exhaust pipe you give away, you could be selling. You know, like we we do really good with our stuff, and there's not a lot of stuff sitting on the shelf. So it's hard to go look at you know the guys that I, I answer to for a budget and go, yeah, I think it was it was worth it to give this exhaust pipe away because. At the end of the day, we we probably could have sold it, you know. So it's, yeah, it's a really hard it's a really hard decision to to figure out, you know, with our limited resources, who who's going to get some free product to to shake something down, you know. For sure, like and obviously you want to like kind of do your background check to see if this person is uh, something that you want to be doing business with, somebody you you want to uh, be representing the brand and what stuff. And I, I'm sure that that's probably one of the biggest challenges in your work, especially when you're sending uh, an exhaust system home with uh, like uh, one of the guys with the orange helmets. I'm talking about Dennis Stapleton specifically. Like, what's it like <laughs> dealing with an absolute gumshoe like that guy? Like, you just guys a guy's a, a walking calamity more times than not like how, how do you in good faith uh, uh send that guy off to uh to, to test your uh your exhaust systems of course i'm just making fun uh, staple mx is, yeah is a sure guy. i think you know to answer your question a lot of the guys that ask for stuff i know and i know that you know if they're going to shake something down good and give us a fair shake you know and a guy like Stapo, you know, we don't do a lot of advertising really with the, the high torque side of things. Mm -hmm. But I know, like, if I gave something to Stapo, he'd be fair to it, you know. And the same thing with uh, with anybody there, I think. Right. You he know, was doing some stuff with your family. Suzuki uh, rate, uh, like race stuff last year. Actually, this time last year, he had one of your race spec pipes on uh, one of his RMZs. Yeah. Yeah. No, we um, we use Stapo. He actually, um, he's an independent guy and he, he, he gives us his uh, input when we want to, you know, you can only do so much dyno testing and you've got to do track testing too, to, to really feel what's happening on the track and what's usable and what's not. And so he's one of those guys that we tap his resources once in a while to go, Hey, tell us what you think of this, you know, and tell us what, if uh, change that header out and tell me what, tell me what you think of this, you know? So it's, um, he's a good resource. And, and I think, you know, even, 
even though he does a lot of stuff with um, the high torque, which again, we, uh, we don't admittedly do a lot of advertising with mm-hmm. um, a guy like him. You could just, he's going to be fair to our brand, you know? And I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, I think that um, people respect our brand and, and really respect what it's about. And, uh, and once they give it a fair shake, it, it's hard to, to really say something bad about our product. Although I'm, again, we don't make a perfect product. I don't think there is such one, but, but we strive to do, to make the best stuff we can, you know, that you guys do. And you're successful at it. I think that, uh, like I said, at the top of this podcast, one of the nicest things about your job and you mentioned is why it makes so easy is, uh, that you're, uh, it's, it's honestly, it's a brand that, uh, it's an aspiring brand. People uh, come to expect performance and, and prospect, uh, perf- they expect actually perfection to be uh, for for the to be honest with you, uh, which is, is kind of like a, a feather in your cap. You get to uh, dole out some of the best exhaust systems, um, like in the pits, and uh, and and that from that is just your job is just to highlight those features and benefits and uh, uh, sort of sell themselves. So I think that's kind of a cool job that you have, my friend. I'm glad that you're able to come on here and just uh, speak passionately and speak romantically about the sport of motocross because you know as well and I know that's one of the things that I do best. Yeah. Oh yeah. You definitely do it good. And I appreciate your, uh, your passion for what, what you do too. I mean, it, it's just, um, I mean, we could talk for two more hours, right? Yes. The way we're going back and forth mm-hmm. because we, we love what we do. And we will. And, and, uh, and, we I, will. I, pre- <laughs> and I appreciate that about you too. And, uh, and you're right. I do. I do have a, I think I have the best job in the world. So I'm pretty pumped. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you making some time for us. An hour and a half here on the Big MX Radio podcast is uh, is awfully generous of you, especially after a long day's work. I uh, I wish you the best this weekend at uh, at Anaheim too. I'm sure you'll be uh, putting the miles on uh, on on the sneakers, uh, walking around the pits. I hope that you'll be uh, head to toe in that uh, pretty snappy looking uh, retro uh, Yoshimura outfit that you wore a couple of years ago. Uh, and if you're not, shame on you. But uh, no, I. I I really appreciate this and this has been awesome i anytime we get a chance to catch up uh whether it's uh, just over the phone via text or for a podcast i think it's uh, it's good times it's, it's good it's a healthy conversation and uh, i'm glad we we're able to make time for it tonight yeah me too man thanks so much for having me on no problem at all and thank you for making time uh don't hang up just yet but for podcast sake let's cut it off right there got it thank you for listening to the big mx radio podcast This podcast has been brought to you by Maxima USA, proven under the toughest conditions. The Collective Experience. Access your dreams at thecollectivexp.com. Sickwix candles, soy candles, and wax melts for moto fans like you. Medterra CBD. Our CBD, your health. Find out more at medterracbd.com.